and you know he got almost 24 minutes tonight um, against a really good team and you know I think he'll be able to go back and look at the film and see the things he did well and the things he can do better on both ends of the court um, because it, you know he's he's now played more games in a season than he's ever, ever has in his whole life and so it's about how does he maintain the approach and the mental energy level just as much as the physical energy level I think when people talk about like the rookie wall it's It's not just your legs, it's your head. It's it's hard. To continue to, you know, ramp up for the games and prep and uh, dig into all the film stuff. But he's he's done such a good job of taking care of his body and, you know, having that great approach every day. And um, he's got 39 more games. You talk about dribbling turnovers sort of upsetting you more than maybe a passing turnover. And we've talked about transition defense, but transition offense, it seems like sometimes you guys will have turnovers just before you get to the rim. Mm -hmm. Are those ones equally as upsetting? Yeah, I think when you have a numbers advantage, you'd like to see your team generate a good shot. There, there's a difference between um, bad intent and a bad decision, and I've, I haven't felt at all this season like our team is playing selfish or guys are trying to get their own. Uh, I think sometimes our decision-making just hasn't been great or it's been a little bit late, and when you have an advantage, a numbers advantage in transition, a lot of times you have to make that first pass early, and I think, you know, especially tonight, I feel like there were a couple of plays where we just made the pass a little bit late, and then you get caught really close to the basket with a lot of big athletes around you, and it, those moments are hard, so you know, it's the competitor in me, you know, you get a little bit upset when we have those plays, but when I go back and, and look at it, you know, I'm really just trying to make sure that our team's intent is correct. Um, you can coach decision making. You can you can try to help guys understand why they need to make certain decisions. But you know, we say before every game, play hard and pass. And I think that our team has maintained that approach through this season so far. More post game is on the way. Malik Beasley, we know so interesting thing as coach was speaking um he said you know this is a, a second game on a back-to-back -back, or the end of a back-to-back -back, basically and we played yesterday and then this is kind of i guess not a terribly early game but you know still earlier than usual and this will have been our 11th game out of 13, sorry, 11 out of 13 back-to-backs that we have played. And we're just barely crossing the halfway point. So you got to look at the second half of the season as we only have two more back-to-backs, which can only be in your favor. Um, we also are tied, I believe, for third most games played already up to this point. So... Um, we've just had like a, a really grueling schedule. Obviously, that's 
not an excuse or anything, but I'm just pointing it out. Like I, in, in recent jazz history, I can't remember as crazy of a schedule as we've had, um, this year. So, um, I'm going to pass the mic over to whoever wants to speak. I know, uh, Kevin's requested. We've got two other listeners, Dallin and cool Danny. If you guys want to speak, just request and, uh, bless us with your knowledge, Kevin. Um, a couple points. Um, first to the schedule, I was thinking today, like, man, we've got a good, you know, we've got the second half of the season. It's going to be a little bit more laid back for us because our schedule's better. But then as I was kind of looking at, uh, at Memphis and some of these teams were playing, I was like, is this maybe a disadvantage because as teams get to this trade deadline and they finalize their rosters, our team's going to be tuned up and tuning up their teams and these games are going to be a little bit tougher now because teams aren't going to be finding themselves and setting their offenses and whatnot. So maybe we did get a little bit more screwed because we had the super difficult schedule when everybody's trying to find themselves and not really be able to take advantage of that. Like some of these other teams just kind of thinking out loud a little bit. And then the other thought with JC, I think the thing, um, I love the emotion from him, and I love that he's fighting, and I love that he's not taking any crap from anybody. Um, but I think the thing that was frustrating for me is that as someone who's supposed to be a leader on our team and as somebody who wants to be paid like a leader on our team, he has to realize that in that moment, he can't do that. He needs to be there on the team. He needs to be on the floor, and he needs to be helping us try to win that game. And, and that's a moment where he needs to kind of keep himself a little bit cool and calm and, and take care of business. Cause you know, whether, whether you, whether you're a JC fan or not, it, it, with this roster, it is hard to win without him. Yeah. It was, it was interesting watching how he acted because I think a little bit of emotion finally overflowed from um, who knows what his contract negotiations Maybe not going how the way he wanted or his frustrating play. Um, but yeah, it was, it was weird. I believe this was the same exact team where he raised his hands up in the air, you know, trying to square up last time, wasn't it? I'm not sure, but I, was just, I just tweeted out and I was, I was asking for any clarification. I think this is the second time he's been ejected for getting or taking a swipe at somebody. I think it's only been twice this season. It, it might be three times, but I think it's only been twice this season that he's been ejected for doing something like this. I think the other time we were we were winning, so it was a little bit different kind of situation. But, yeah. Which I don't mind the emotion. I, I love the fight. I really do. I think you need players on your team that show that fight. But if you're trying to be a leader and you're trying to get that contract to be paid as a leader and be that guy, you have to know when to do it and when not to do it. Well, and it started heating up between him and Bain. I think Bain hit a, a few three-point shots, and so uh, they were jawing back and forth a little bit. And what I would have liked to see is him. I, I didn't really see the swipe when it happened live, and then when they showed the replay, it was obvious. Like, I knew immediately he was going to be ejected. But you'd you like to see players duel it out on the court. Like, Clarkson was starting to heat up as well, and I think that's when he plays – the best is when you know there's a little bit of competition from another player so i i would have loved for the entertainment value 
to have been there as a fan to just see him and Bane try and go back and forth. And, you know, maybe sometimes you lose those. Bane, Bane had a great game and shot eight for 18, but Clarkson shot better uh, field goal percentage, six for 12. And so I would have liked to see it play out a little bit more. Um, it was interesting that Ochai finished the game. I, I think he deserved it. The last couple games he had amazing games, but um, in the group chat, I was complaining about Olinick and Vanderbilt. And last game we didn't do a podcast, but I rewatched it, and it's just like when those guys are on the court, it just seems like we fall apart and disintegrate. Um, and I've got an unpopular opinion that I shared in the group chat, but. What does your guys' feel as far as Olenek and uh, Vanderbilt? And let's let's go to another – let's go to Armani. He's requesting right now. Um, give us your thoughts first and then respond to that question. And, Dallin, we better hear from you. I know that you like to just sit in the background, buddy. <laughs> you got to unmute yourself, Armani. Oh, you asked me first on it. Um... Yeah, yeah. Man. Um, regarding the regarding the J the um the Vando and um Olenek situation, I've always noticed that all the way back I don't know maybe back in no late Novemberish that 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 those two were an issue, especially just Vando and him being sporadic sporadic in the sense where one game he may play play very well you know play over his head and did another game he's, he's just cold as in just the way that he plays um some of the bone boneheaded plays that he likes to make um i don't know sometimes he pushes the, he over pushes the ball and he you know he he messes up the office in that way and then with olenic it's just like it's just a matter of will he hit a shot yeah some games we do sometimes he doesn't but earlier earlier in the season he was great um, December, it was shaky, but I can give him the benefit of the doubt because he had got injured and he had missed a couple games, so it was like, eh, you have, you know, you have to get your, you have to get your, um, your game back. Um, but for the most part, with those two, I really don't like that combo at all. I haven't liked that combo, especially when you have Walker playing the way that Walker has been playing. Walker needs to be playing at bare minimum twenty six minutes a game. Yeah, I think he had twenty seven tonight, but. It, it, it's interesting to me that Kessler hardly ever finishes the game. Right, and, and, and he's so impactful, and he's able to hit free throws. Is he is he the most consistent free throw shooter? Not exactly, but we we haven't put him in too many positions for him to have to be. So we won't we won't really know necessarily know. Um, he he's such a a force defensively where the other teams just really can't attack the rim as hard as they, you know, would really like to. And even on offense, he he, he sucks in the defense on his rim cuts because because of the fact that like I don't know what it is, is that he just he just he pulls a lot of gravity on his rim cuts. So it's just it's just like we need him in the game, especially in those type of situations, because maybe we can get off a three off of him being a you know, off of him being a roman. But we don't get we don't get to see that enough because he doesn't play in the late game situations. Um the other thing I really don't, uh, I, I really, I'm really concerned with is how our guards don't give him the ball when he, when he is, yeah, open. He, we we have a lot of lob um, opportunities that we don't get to um, 
to, to, to actually display. And then even on a fast break, he might be out on a fast break and he might have a clear cut, you know, maybe like, maybe if he catch the ball, he need one dribble and dunk. He doesn't get those, he doesn't get those balls because a guard will sit there and try to look for a three and then get caught up, have to do a kick out. I mean, you have, have to do a swing and then it, it just, it wastes that opportunity. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I pulled up some analytics uh, to take a look at just with our team and our different lineups. You can do two-man lineups, three-man lineups, four-man, five-man. So I pulled up three-man lineups because I was you know wondering where these guys fall. And I like to do these. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can kind of see it's going off plus-minus, which isn't my favorite stat, but it, it it helps us get an idea of um, these stats. So I pulled a three-man lineup and teams that have played 15 minutes or more, so averaging 15 minutes or more per game in the season. And the worst lineup at negative three on the plus-minus is Kelly Olenek, Jared Vanderbilt, and who else would you guess would be in that lineup? Mike Conley. Mike Conley, which is crazy to me. That was the craziest one because I was thinking it would be one of these bench guys, right? But to me, Mike Conley makes other players better. And so when you've got two other guys and he, he, I, I believe it's because they're not very good at running the pick and roll. I think Olenek can run like the pick and pop or pop to the, the uh, three-point line. I don't think Vanderbilt really is ever able to set a, a screen that if, if you notice any time a pick and roll or pick a pop is ran it looks junky when it's when it's those yeah court. yeah and, and and i don't think vanderbilt understands it at all to be honest but he he really just doesn't even understand how to set a screen where you could run a pop proper pick and roll so that was really interesting to me the next uh worst one would be Conley Clarkson and Vanderbilt uh, at negative 1.7, which I think I've noticed, I've noticed that maybe back in um, well yeah back in November I, I noticed it back in middle of November. Mike Conley and Jared Vanderbilt does not work. Yeah, they don't work. It's uh, it, it's really interesting because usually Mike Conley can make other other players better, and uh, just <laughs> to me that's a, another reason why Vanderbilt. I I think he. What happens is he is working so hard and lo looks like he's working so hard most of the time that he, he makes a lot of fans think that, yeah, he, he's got a lot of energy, and he does, but he's not making plays that affect the game. Like, you know, he's in there scrapping for the ball and might, might touch it three times on a rebound, but he doesn't come away with it. He usually falls on the ground, in my opinion, <laughs> trying to he's just a, he's flop a, for. He's a great hustle player, but he and he and I will say that he's an NBA caliber starter. The issue is, is that his game, his play style, is not adept for this for, for our starting for, lineup. For, it's for just, this, it just doesn't work. It's not. It's his. It's not for. I was going to say this to kind of your point, Amari. When you, Amari, when you're making uh, with the with the Kessler issue. And I don't know if this is a, a Will Hardy thing, but this offense that, that the jazz runs does not run a lot of motion to cut cutting guys going yeah. to the basket. They want to run off 
they want to run guys to the corner for corner threes. They run a lot of motion stuff to get to the three-point line. Like, I don't know how many times I see Vanderbilt cut to the rim or Kessler cut to the rim or these guys cut to the rim, and no one even pays attention to them. And, and that's Vando's – Vando doesn't want to take a shot if it's not in the right corner or it's not at the rim. He doesn't want to take that shot. Yeah. He's well, not he, going to well, take that he shot. He's playing, to, he's playing to his game. He's definitely yeah. playing to I think, and I, I think we do have the players who cut, right? I think the, the most – the off-ball screens is optional. <laughs> So where where when I say that I, I believe when 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 we run an off ball screen we have the option to have the room the the screener has the option to um roll to um to to dive to the corner or to um fall back. The issue is is that when a man does roll, sometimes there's another person cutting at the same time, and mm-hmm. then the bigger issue is that the guards do, does not see either they don't see the pass or they don't make the pass. But that's the issue. Well, and the other thing is, to your point, we miss that pass yeah. so much yeah, we do. that defenses don't guard it. We saw it happen two or three times in the game yeah. where Vando or Olenek or somebody is literally wide open under the basket and gets a ball from a guard. And the defense is like, what? You passed it to him for an easy dunk? Like, they don't even guard that cut like because we don't make that pass. So I wanted to share these other lineups real quick. And then, Don, I know you, you, you just requested. So our best plus minus with three men is, and and Kevin, I think this speaks to you um, saying that, you know, when Olenek is hitting his three-point shot, it spaces the floor and our offense is clicking more. Uh, Olenek, Clarkson, and Markinen are a plus 2.7. The next closest is 1.4 plus 1.4, and that's Conley, Clarkson, and Markinen. So you've got Clarkson in both of those, uh, and it just seems like Vando tends to be in the negatives. So, yeah. So, um, Dallin, I'm going to let you go ahead, and then we're going to roll over to the four-man and five-man lineups because the five-man lineups, I was, was not expecting a few of these stats, uh, and, and kind of surprised me tonight, but Dallin, go ahead. Yeah, uh, uh, it's a good game for the tank, so I'm not... Tankathon? <laughs> Tankathon. Oh, Lord. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to run Armani off. I'm fine with the tank. You know what? I, I'm, you know what? I'm completely fine with the tank. We see that that Lowry... At, at this point, we see that Lowry is prepared to be a strong number two, maybe a possible number one. So we already have... A, we, have we have two cornerstones, so I'm fine. Yeah. If we want to tank, I'll take it. Fuck it. I'm more excited about the tank because of Lowry. Because if we tank this year, we can recover very quickly because yeah. of Lowry. Like, it's not a tank for four or five years. It's one bad year, maybe two, and we're right back in it. Like, Lowry makes everything, this turnaround, so much better. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Sorry. Go ahead. I just said, uh, I was trying out this new soundboard. Um, um, (laughs) um, I was just, I don't know. Clarkson's ejection, I don't know. I'm not entirely enthralled with him. So, um, well, it's kind of, it's kind of like if you, if you square up twice, 
Like the league's going to start looking at you and it, eventually you're going to get suspended in my opinion. Right. And I know that like probably 80% of the fan base loves Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I guess you get some good with some bad with him and that's just how it is. Yeah. And um, I don't, I guess lately I've been trying to see who's been our worst performers night in and night out and on that losing streak that we just had before the Rockets win. And Conley's been struggling a lot since he's come back. Yeah, he has. I don't know if if he's part of the bigger issue with us and can't stand guard front on in on defense guarding those guys. I don't. Yeah. You know what I think it is, Dallin? You know what? what I think it is? I think he feels like he's going to get traded, and he yeah. doesn't want to push it because he knows if he gets injured again. He's screwed. Like yeah. I feel like he's just not giving it a hundred percent, either because he's not a hundred percent healthy, or he's trying to protect his health in case a trade comes up. I think he's ready. You, you think he's ready to, you know, to be traded? I, I think a lot of our team is actually playing that way, where they're not giving a hundred percent. Maybe Lowry's yeah. the only one because, let's face it, they're he probably all think. Yeah, he knows he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Why do I want to get traded? Or why do I want to get injured if I'm traded and then need to re-sign a contract? Right. Here's the thing is, I know, I'm pretty sure Conley knows he's only got a couple, two, three years left in his yeah, career. Yeah, only got about two, three. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know that he wants to be a part of a rebuild. Maybe yeah, he does. I don't, so. I, I don't think he does, but... Well, but see, but that has nothing to do with his three-ball. We can't excuse that. Because it's not like he, he, he's having a career year passing. He's decent defensively. He's not the greatest. He's not. He's not good. He's not bad. He's just decent. He's not jumping. Well, and to give to give Memphis to give Memphis a little credit tonight too. They they are the best ranked defense in the in the league. So well, yeah, Yeah, but but as of lately, from the beginning of the season to now, I didn't feel like Conley's three ball. He's had a couple games where his three ball looked good. But he's never. I don't know. It just is. Is not there. It's not there. His three ball is not there. Yeah. Right. So let's jump into the four four uh, lineup team. So these this one's a little bit harder because there's not as many. There's only two lineups with four players that have played more than 15 minutes per game. So we're gonna go down a little bit lower. But the worst one is a neg at a negative seven plus minus, and they have played the most minutes out of any four players together at 17 minutes per game, which is very interesting. I believe this is when Mike Conley was out. It is Taylor Horton Tucker, Nikhil Alexander Walker, which you would not even think that those two play together that much, right? They're, they're usually it's either Nikhil Alexander Walker or THT. And then uh, to my point, Jared Vanderbilt and Kelly Olynyk. And then the next worst one is negative five, but these guys have only played 13 minutes per game together. Uh, Vanderbilt again shows up in there. <laughs> Rudy Gay, <laughs> Alexander Walker, and then Fontecchio. So, mm, yeah, but they, that was only one game. That was one game. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's hard to take these guys that really haven't, like Fontecchio, haven't got very many minutes. The best one, and these guys have only played 12 minutes together. Uh, Rudy Gay, Taylor Horton Tucker, Balmero, and Walker Kessler. They're at a, a plus six. So that's probably the most interesting out of the four 
four guy lineup just because Balmero's in there. But again, how many games has Balmero played in? Two, three, yeah, I think maybe. Two, three. Yeah, but all those stats you're looking at those those are only like one game comp like comps. Like you need to be looking at like the games where they played 26, 28, 33 games together. Yeah, Not and really play one game together. I'm sure there's an advanced filter, but I didn't get that deep into it. Um, so let's go. Let's move on to the five, the uh, five man lineup because um, I, I'm sorting these by minutes per game. So I'm not even sorting them by plus minus. Is the, it's, is the, is the minutes per game player player for player, or is that um, the, the, these that lineups much? are averaging together per game? I think you should do well. Uh, but if you look at the column right next to it, it tells you the number of games played together. One, yeah, okay. So try eight, try eight minutes, and then and then we we might have something. Eight minutes. Yeah, you want like eight minutes with like fifteen plus games. I don't know how it, to do just the games played. I can. Well, but if you, I need to mess well, around with this saying, more. Just look on the, he's just saying, just look on the side, like yeah. you know, as you go down. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. So like that one right there where they played 12 games yeah, yeah. and they're a plus three, they're a 3.5. That's a good sample size right there. You got uh Olenek. I'm obviously looking YouTube at YouTube, behind, but you got Olenek, Clarkston, Markkinen, Sexton, and Vanderbilt at a 3.5. That That's a good sample size right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got uh, the other one right above it. They played 12 minutes per game. Uh, 24 games played is our starting lineup. Conley, Olenek, Clarkson, Markin, and Vanderbilt. They're at a negative 0.5. Um, the one that I, that stood out to me, and this is only one game played, a negative seven is Olenek, Beasley, Vanderbilt, Walker, Alexander Walker, and Taylor Horton Tucker. Yeah, that sounds like so, a funky lineup. Yeah, so let's go games played and see. So if you've done, oh man, see, this is what makes me feel like, I don't know that we're tanking necessarily, but we've had injuries and just none of these, none of these five player lineups are averaging more than 12 points or 12 minutes per game. Coaches switched up the lineups a lot this year. But, but is that, is, is that kind of like a strategy of tanking? Like, Making it no, look like no, hey. no, it's, no, it's not a strategy of tanking because I, I'll say most lineups per game maybe get maybe five to eight minutes per game together, maybe not even like most. There's not a lot yeah. of strong five man lineups that you know play an entire, I don't know, like fifteen like fifteen minutes a game. It's, it's not going to come unless it's maybe the starting lineup. It'd be interesting. I think I can look at the entire league like, that way. He he switched it up a lot, but then he hasn't. Like his starting five has pretty much been the same all year long except for when there's been injuries it's just the, it's the way he uses his rotations it makes it difficult to, to assess it like yeah that. like what what i would be interesting is if you can find the lineup like our original starting five so like olenic um marketing b um olenic marketing vanderbilt i mean i could do t- uh per 100 Clarkson, possession and conley that is Oh, that'd be perfect. Versus the same lineup with Sexton in it. So, like, what is our 
OG starting lineup versus Sexton. Oh, the one with the one with Sexton is is much better. Is is, um I don't know. If I believe, if I can remember correctly, I think it's like three point five, three point seven. On the, um, on a plus so we're gonna go. We're gonna. I think this will be a little bit easier. We're gonna go per 100 possession during the regular season. Our top lineup and these guys. Well, see it, the games played. I'm gonna go games played instead. And this will give us a better. So if you're going ten, ten or more games. Well, we'll go nine to cut it off. Nine or more games played. Of Per 100 possession, our best lineup is Conley, Olenek, Clarkson, Markin, and Sexton. Sexton running the point. Um, our worst one is Conley, Olenek, Clarkson, Beasley, Vanderbilt at negative 27. So that's, you go from positive 36 and they played 11 games together to negative 27. They had nine games together. Uh, that's crazy. And and again, to my point, you've got Olenek and Vanderbilt in that negative. The next closest negative would be Olenek, Clarkson, Beasley, Sexton, Vanderbilt. The next best lineup that have played nine games together. <laughs> this, this is going to piss off Jazz fans. Rudy Gay, Mike, or Malik, oh, Malik Beasley, Colin Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker and Walker Kessler. Yeah, that was the best squad. That's when we was. When no, we, no, uh, the the uh, best the best squad is plus thirty six with Conley. No, I'm saying no. That was the bench. That was the bench. Oh yeah, 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 that's yeah. The of the season, that's yep. when we was playing so well because it, it it just gelled correctly. Yeah, you're right. So crazy that Rudy Gay's in one of those. I know. That's what I'm saying. Is is here? Here's another one. Plus twenty one. They've played eight games, so it kind of falls out of what we're doing, but. Olenek, Clarkson, Markinen, Sexton, Kessler. But in in all of those but one, Kessler is in those. Uh, the best one he's not in, which Sexton was in instead of Vanderbilt. And he's running with Mike Conley well, and, and Jordan Clarkson. It's tough because with Kessler, you're going to improve your plus minus because the other team's not going to score as many points because he's going to help you defensively. I feel re- I feel like also rebounding though. He he helps because he mm-hmm. draws attention to him and it makes it easier for us to rebound even if he's not getting the rebound. Well, we have a we have a um well as of like last week. We had a Kessler on the court is a plus 5 on the net, on the net rating. So it's like yeah, it, he's so impactful. Yeah. It's like why not play him? Just start him, and, and like if he gets in foul trouble, then all right, then he he he'll learn from it. But just the 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 Olenek Vanderbilt just drives me insane. <laughs> to be honest, bad, it's a bad, bad, bad. Problem. I ain't worried about his foul trouble. I'm worried about his head case problems. Kessler? Uh, yeah, man. Right. No, he won't get. He won't. He won't square up and get ejected like Clarkson did. <laughs> <laughs> But he gets in his own head sometimes early in the Wait. game, and he just kind of mopes around. Yeah, I think I think Vanderbilt mopes. I think Vanderbilt's body language is the worst on the team. Yeah, he makes a lot of he makes a lot of gestures. He makes a lot of I, I don't. I, I, I like it better when he's rolling around on the ground versus that. 
<laughs> well, um, so our next game, I'm going to end this one pretty soon here. Our next game is against the one and only Donovan Mitchell coming to town. Um, man, it, it just feels like, and I, I, I think these guys were a little tired on a back-to-back and with it being an early game and whatnot, but are they saving some of that energy for this game, or do you think it's just going to be a, a slaughter? I don't think it's going to be a Florida. I think it's going to be a very tough game for the Cavaliers. I don't. They're not. They're not running as hot as they was. Donovan is going. He's he's more than likely going to play great. Maybe only being effective Walker is on the court. So yeah. He's going to walk up like. I am worried. The league is going to slap Jordan with a one-game suspension for tonight because it's the second nah, time. Nah. That second would ejection for something like this. They've done it to other players. It already could happen, yeah. I hope they don't, and if they do, I hope they sure as hell appeal it so he can at least play it versus Ke- versus Cleveland. But I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think it'll be a close game. But I, I definitely do think, I think Cleveland will win pretty. I think they'll win by eight to nine. Well, I can't say they're going handle they, they would win handedly like that because I don't think anybody anybody on that team could guard Lowry. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And then, then their backcourt is not great defensively, so if J.C. is playing, J.C. might tear them up as well. So I don't – it's like, eh. As much as I really don't – you know, as much as J.C. get on my nerves, I have to give him his flowers. He can, he can run off by 25 25-30. The funny thing about it is I think they have the one player in the NBA who could guard Lowry, but he's having a horrible season. I think Evan Mobley could guard Lowry. No way. He's just having a horrible season. He's got the yeah. length, the athleticism. He just is having a horrible season. Well, one one thing I wanted to hit on too before we get off because Ochai had such uh, good games the past two games, and for him to go off for 19 points was really unexpected for me. But it felt like uh, he could be behind Lowry. Obviously, not this year, but I think he could develop into a DeMar DeRozan type player, but he's also, I think, got a lot of potential defensively. Is there a chance that we might already have a one-two punch in Lowry and Ochai? I don't think Ochai, I, I don't, I, you mean scoring-wise? I think Ochai is a Desmond Bain type of player. I don't not want to, please don't take that as me saying that he's going to be that type of shooter. But I just mean the, the play style where it's just like he, he just plays clean basketball. He really doesn't have to do too much on the court. Um, I think he's good. I just don't think he's a one-two punch because if we, for us to have a one-two punch, Lowry is already a off-ball scorer, right? I, we would I ha- think I, I got to see some more consistency on us before I can even anoint him as a starter in the NBA. I think two oh, games. Oh yeah, I don't think he's a starter yet. Two games is not enough to anoint him there, like. Like you gotta be a little bit more consistent because today he came out and laid an egg. Like no, he, no, well, a really good team. Well, he, he only had yeah, right. He only had two shots against a, a, a great perimeter defensive team. So, well, I mean, I'm thinking about the rebuild. If we if we make all these trades right, get a, rid of certain players. You've got Lowry, or yeah, Lowry, Ochai, and Kessler to build off of. And then if you go off in the offseason and get one more player. You know, two, three years, let these guys develop. I think Ochai is very, I think he's, he's, we haven't seen uh, a speck of his potential because he moves. I think he's going to be one of those very, you know, very polished 
Yes. Solid starters, or maybe he can get up to a, I don't know, like a sub Chris Middleton level. Well, he, he's six five. He he's good length. He can dunk the ball. He can finish around the rim. He moves well without the ball. He can shoot from beyond the three point line, and he can defend. I just think you know he ran that one play coach for him where he got the dunk, and then that that kind of led him um, into these two games that he had good games. I think if you start running plays for him where he's coming off of screens and getting easy buckets. That's going to lead to him having more confidence in his shot. And then, you know, I, I think he, he has the potential to be a great defender where he can get stills and score. So to me, it, it's like, okay, Lowry and Ochai could possibly, I'm not saying they are, I'm saying, you know, could possibly be your two guys that are scores. And then you've got Kessler, a really good rebounder and shot blocker, um, there's three pieces to our future that we we already potentially have because Ochai, yeah. let's face it, he was a he was 14th pick in this year's draft. My thing with Ochai, and and I'm just I don't know, I'm trying not to be negative, but in the last eight years, the last eight drafts, there hasn't been a single player who went to college for four years that starts in the NBA right now. The last player to come out of the draft who still starts is Damian Lillard. And um, I'll take a Damian Lillard. I, yeah, I think, <laughs> um, uh, Damian Lillard, and then um, homeboy that everybody hates up in Golden State. Um, oh yeah. So those are the only two players right now who are currently starters in the NBA who went to four years in college. Out of I think I looked like something like sixty plus. Four four year college people who have been drafted in the last like eight to ten years. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but statistically speaking, he's got an uphill battle. So I feel like I feel like there's a reason that guys like that don't do well in the NBA. There's a reason they have to go to school for four years before they declare for the draft. I, I feel like with the current roster that we have. Uh, he would probably be the one with the highest potential to become a really good player. Uh, uh, the other one, if Colin Sexton can get back to his form, that would be the other one. But like to me, he's just got an NBA body, and he d- he doesn't play a lot of hero ball, but he, he moves without the ball and understands where yeah. to be defensively. I think he's an NBA player. He's definitely an NBA player. I think his, like I said, I think his ceiling could be a Desmond Bain type of player. We, we, Desmond Bain doesn't do anything too special. He just does everything correct. I think Ochar can do that. He has a strong NBA body. He's definitely he he can definitely play NBA NBA defense. He's strong. I think, I think outside of Kessler, he probably has the highest ceiling of our young guys. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Well, and he's got such a pure shot. If you go back to college and watch, like, even when he was shooting uh, the last night, his shot almost is more pure than Beasley, and Beasley has a really pure shot. Like, it, it, it reminds me of, I always say Clay Thompson, but I say that in the sense that his arc is so high that it gives the chance or it gives the ball more of a chance to go in. And I just think, you know, if he's shooting further out, he, he, he hit a lot of long grade shots in college. And 
Uh, I I think once his confidence gets rolling, he'll be able to do that. But maybe yeah, I'm because we need to see that. We need to see that because the, for the games that he's did, he he has played and some of the G League games I've watched him play, his him beyond be like beyond the arc yeah. of the actual three point line is eh, eh. yeah the corner great. But the the great thing about him is he can he can he's got the body where he can go in and finish at the rim if he needs to. Right, right. So I think he I think he's a, uh, see I think he 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 could be a very solid to very good um off ball player and then his defense I think he has NBA NBA defense so I think that's a player that we can most definitely keep on the roster and we can see him in the foreseeable future like whether you know whether he becomes a starter or a a, a strong rotational player. I won't. I won't be opposed to him being on the roster. Yeah. Well, I. I just go ahead. I think he. He's definitely got a lot more potential than a lot of the other guys that we're currently carrying on the roster. Yeah. So I mean, he's got the body for it. He. He seems to kind of have the the mind for it. Um. So I mean, definitely a lot of potential. So I mean, I'm excited right. about him. I think he was a throw-in in that trade that no one really cared about. Yeah. And I think he could potentially be something. So. Well, I just wanted to hit on that real quick just because he had such uh, – the, the past two games he had great games and wanted to kind of talk about it. You never know if that's going to happen again or uh, if he becomes, like like we were talking about, one of our key players. So um, I, I think if he turns out to be that, you look back at the Donovan Mitchell trade and say, wow, that's crazy that we got two really good players out of that trade. Um, one we already know is going to be an all-star this year. So if you guys haven't checked out YouTube, go over, subscribe. My Jordan Clarkson video blew up from yesterday. It has probably 5,000 views now. Um, go check it out. And we will see you guys on Tuesday after the game. Donovan Mitchell's coming back to Salt Lake City. I'm, I'm extremely excited just to see... Uh, how we compete, but also how the fans react. I hope that everybody cheers for him. They were playing a few highlights today before the game. I mean, he he won a dunk contest for Utah, um, had tons of great playoff moments, had great scoring uh, records set in the playoff in the bubble, and uh, was just a a player that brought a lot of good memories to Utah. So uh, we'll see him on Tuesday, and I appreciate everyone that's listening throughout the world on youtube uh, it's starting to take over and we have a lot of filipino listeners on youtube i know we've got a lot of Fi- finland listeners on the podcast so uh we thank you guys for listening all over the world and we will catch you guys next time go jazz <laughs> you were waiting that whole time <laughs>